Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss Apple's MacBook Pros, and we have a lot to say on the subject. So many rumors, so many exaggerations, and also some really impressive tech. We're going to uncover all of it here on this episode. Then we're going to head to Camera Corner where Wendy will discuss Panasonic's 20-year anniversary and a hyped camera with a big problem. So sit back, relax, and plug in because Hardware Attic starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what have you been up to? There's a pro and a con to this. So the pro is I'm going to get a new monitor. The con is the reason I'm getting a new monitor, and that is because I moved recently and I talked about this on Destination Linux. I even had like this nice spooky story that we did for Halloween. But that's not, go back and check that out if you want to. But this <laughs> is a case of moving, having a catastrophe of breaking your monitor. It happens, apparently. Uh, so three I think monitors. you broke it on purpose, Wendy. I think I, he was I like, did not. oops. I did not. Uh oh, now I have to get a new monitor. Uh oh. Just, just because I talked about wanting to get a new monitor like a week before does not have anything to uh-huh. do with the fact that this happened. And by the way, if it was gonna if I was gonna do it on purpose, it wouldn't have been the better monitor. I would use that as like a secondary whatever. That's what somebody so. w- would say if they're trying to cover their tracks. Like <laughs> I wouldn't have been the good monitor, so you smashed it. And now no. Destination Linux Network has to come up and get you a new monitor here because no, Michael no, no, purposefully no. smashed his old monitor. You no, could be honest with us. We'll accept that's not, you. That's not, the, that's not the intent or anything. Anyway, so what happened is I got three monitors and I padded the monitors and two of them are on a, a dual mount monitor stand thing. The one that was, one of them was totally fine and for some reason the other one was damaged. So that's great. So, because it was damaged, I decided to get a new monitor. And if I'm going to get a new monitor, why not just pay a little bit extra and get an ultra-wide? So, that's nice. what I did. So, I'm getting a 34-inch Acer Nitro XZ342CKPBMIIFPHX. That's the full name of the monitor. Well done, Acer. So, well done. So ridiculous. But... Uh, the price looks good, and the specs are look good. It's got AMD FreeSync and all sorts of stuff. So I am very excited about you know checking out this this you know it's not in yet. It's it's going to be coming in uh, during the week. So unfortunately, based on the recording time, I didn't have access to try it yet. But next week, I will tell you about my findings for what I think about this monitor. So I got to ask Michael, do you know what the fifteen hundred R actually means okay kind of i know it's the ratio like the like the, the, the how much it is curved but i don't know what the number means i just know that it it's based on how much curve it is all right so you do know that that's the curvature of it and the curvature can make a big difference because 
depending on how far away you're going to be from the monitor determines whether you want to go with like an 1800R or 1900R. There's even like 3800Rs, which are considered great for gaming, but not necessarily for anything else. So it's interesting that you picked that and knew that it was curvature, but didn't do any research to know if it would be the <laughs> right curvature for your setup. But I think that's a pretty good range. 1500 Why would you assume that I didn't do any research for the, the curvature? Um, that is so rude and accurate. But um... <laughs> So the... So that people do know, though, maybe we should do an episode on this. In fact, we will do an episode on this to talk about the curvature um, because it, it can make a difference. Now, the reality is this is about getting the best experience out of the curvature for a monitor where you'd want to pick it. In a lot of cases, people do what you do. In fact, I think the majority of cases people do what you do. They just order one that has the specs and things. that has It has the in-sync. It has the good refresh rate and a good resolution, and they buy it. And don't pay attention to that R number. That R number can be important. Uh, and have you ever had a curved monitor before, out of curiosity? I have not. The only time I've ever used a curved monitor was when I was at your house and I tried yours out. And it was cool for, like, after you get used to it, it was cool. But the first little bit was weird. Yeah, there definitely is some learning how to use one or just the disorientation at first of a curved monitor. And then now that I've had one for... But I've had this monitor for a year and a half. I absolutely love it. I don't think I would want to go back to my main not monitor not being a curved monitor anymore. I kind of love that you said that, Wendy, because now I have a secondary monitor that's flat and it looks weird to me. And when right. I first <laughs> moved, it was the first monitor that I set up. I didn't set up the curved one first because it was just what box was available to me to get the computer up and running, make sure I didn't break anything in the move because I don't break stuff on purpose like Michael does to get new stuff. So <laughs> I do it on purpose. I put the flat monitor on first, and that was my main monitor. I'm like, it's so odd. It's so flat. I don't like it. So you do get <laughs> spoiled with the curved monitor. Um, but there, there is some importance to that curvature, and we'll get into that in a future episode. But Wendy, what have you been up to? I helped Magneto on a tech adventure this week. He was working on a tractor, and there was a hydraulic leak pretty deep into this round of hoses. And he was trying to figure out which one was the one that had the leak. Because he didn't want to take everything off to find the leak. And then put all of these hoses back on. He just wanted to remove the one that was the issue. And he had put his phone up inside there trying to figure out which one it was. And he couldn't get it to focus right. You know, there was just a whole lot of issues with that. And I'm like, hey, we've got a little camera. It's mainly for magnifying. And so the end of it is pen-like, pretty solid, doesn't bend. And I loaded that up with the Samsung tablet, ran that over to him. And while he was able to get it in there, he just couldn't get it to focus because that one is a manual focus, right, where you're using it for more checking out small detailed things, magnification and such. And we decided, mainly he decided, that to add to his toolkit, he really needed an endoscope. So the one he found, I really, really like. And I'm having a hard time knowing that this is going on to the work pickup, the service pickup, and isn't going to be one of those toys that I'm playing with in the house. 
So we might have to get another one, mainly because this isn't really an expensive device, 21 bucks. It has USB, micro USB, USB-C connector, so it'll work on any of the Linux laptops we have, any of the Android devices that we have, all of it'll work with. And this one, I really like it because the end is small enough that you can get it in all kinds of places. It's fairly stiff so that you can bend it into the right angle you need it to. It's got a light on the end. So depending on where you're trying to find whatever is missing, whatever needs to be fixed, whatever you lost, because there's things that get lost in places that it'd be nice to know where you have to dig to. This one allows you to tweak it and bend it with a light on the end. And I was really surprised at how well the autofocus works on this endoscope. He's taking this one to work, but we're probably going to have to get one for home just because. Well, the good work. news is, and we'll have a link in the show notes, there's a 10% off coupon for this particular one right now. So you can get it for mm-hmm. less than 20 bucks, that 10% off. But these are actually come in handy a lot. They have attachments to them. This particular one has like a magnet att- attachment, a hook attachment, a mirror attachment as well to it, which is pretty cool in itself. And whether it's plumbing or other things, you can generally you know, spot some things that you normally couldn't get to. But I'm curious about the picture in this particular post on the Amazon post. There's a picture of it being put into a fish tank. I have no idea. And it's a small bowl fish tank. Why you would need that endoscope for that? So that's a curious use case. But what would you be using this for that you have to get one too, Wendy? Because that's like what my wife does to me constantly. If I get something new, (laughs) she's like, well, I want it too. I'm like, what would you use it for? I don't care. I want it. So what are you going to use this for? Sometimes I just... Sometimes I drop jewelry down the sink, so tops to my earrings and that kind of stuff. I know I can just take the P-trap off and get it out, but it would be kind of cool to look down there and see how much water or crap was in there before I pulled it off. I don't know. So, so this is another one, Michael situation where you're going to drop your jewelry purposefully <laughs> down the drain so that you could get this little device here. I, I did it. not do it, and I don't think Wendy would. Usually I'm in a hurry and trying to get out the door and so, yeah, I don't really want it falling down the drain as I'm trying to leave the house. So Ryan, um, I'm, you probably haven't had time to do anything hardware wise because you're, it's not your thing really, but so have you had a chance, you know, maybe to do something with hardware this week? Well, I did go on vacation recently. I went to Vegas and when I was going to Vegas, we were planning the trip to Vegas. When I say we, I mean my wife. And telling me where we're going to go, I was like, you know what I need? <laughs> I need to travel with a new piece of tech because I have a really expensive bundle of laptops in this house, four or five of them. But hmm. they're all too expensive, in my opinion, to just go and travel with to Vegas, especially with TSA and everything, banging your stuff around. Like, I just don't want to deal with it. So I thought, you know, I want to get something that's really light and portable but that I could still write the shows on because even though I'm on vacation, Michael doesn't give me a break. Michael doesn't say, hey, Ryan, you know, take the week off. I got this for you. Don't worry about writing with D- for DL or writing for Hardware Addicts. I'm going to take care of it for you, buddy. No, he's he's a terrible boss. Terrible boss. I did not do that. It's Com- true. I, well, not, not, yeah. a, not completely. A little bit. But <laughs> I, So anyway, 
So what so did you get? I, so I got a <laughs> Lenovo Tab P11 Pro. Now this particular uh, tablet was on sale. It's normally like five. I want to say around five hundred dollars. It was on sale for three forty nine. I want to say at Walmart, and it was through their online portal. And so I went ahead and picked it up. And I really dig this tablet. It has a really nice processor in it. It's super snappy. The screen is just gorgeous. 11.5 inch, 2560 by 1600 OLED screen, 350 nit. It's got six gigabytes of memory. It's got a really nice battery in it, 15 hours. It's, it's very light and efficient, easy to put into a bag. But the problem was I could not get the keyboard case for the P11 that comes with it because they have one that Lenovo actually makes, but this particular deal of course didn't include it and they didn't have it in stock. I thought no problem. I'll get this. I'll get some other keyboard, like an external Bluetooth keyboard that I'll use for the trip. And then when I get back, I'll go ahead and get the cover keyboard, you know, so you got the whole thing kind of like a Microsoft surface book or something like that. But the cover with the keyboard is still out of stock to this day. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of accessories for this particular device. So that's one of the big problems. However, using this device, minus the fact that it's Android, has actually been an absolute joy. Like it's just super, just super beautiful screen. And, and like I said, it was perfect for the airplane, uh, plugging in headphones to it, uh, being able to watch shows and be able to write the shows while I was on the road, which was fantastic. So it served its purpose perfectly. And of course, there's a bunch of stuff that you can do with Android to make it more private. In fact, there's a bunch of stuff you can do with any mobile device to make it more private. And I made two videos on that on the DOS Geek channel. So go check those out if you're interested. I really do think this is a fantastic tablet. The problem is them not getting the accessories out there for people to really utilize it to its full potential. And that's where companies like Apple just continue to dominate in this market and why you can accessorize it to pieces and you're gonna have those accessories in stock. It's an issue. That's very interesting. So I think that this sounds like a really good tablet, but I'm curious if they can't get it on the deal that you did and they had to pay the full MSRP, do you think it's still worth it? That's a really good question. And it's hard for me to say because generally tablets for me, I'm always like, why not? Because the first thing I want to do with the tablet is get a keyboard cover. And then you start asking yourself, why not just buy a laptop at that point? But yeah, right. the only purpose for it to me is just being super light and being inexpensive enough. I lost it or somebody grabbed it and ran off with it that it would suck, but it wouldn't be as bad as, say, somebody grabbing my HP Dragonfly Elite. That would really hurt. Running off with $350 hurts, but it's not devastating. And so for me, yeah, probably wouldn't because to me, the only purpose of a tablet is to have something light and efficient to bring with me in those type of circumstances and then go back to a laptop as soon as humanly possible. One of the nice additional compatible accessories that this has is also the pen. And this looks a lot spec-wise, function-wise to the Samsung tablet that I use on a pretty regular basis, which I do have the keyboard folio for it. And the advantage of getting the folio keyboard instead of just an everyday Bluetooth keyboard is those direct connections to the device. It makes it work so seamlessly. My kids don't use the keyboard very much on it, but it's surprising how much I do. 
especially when we're out and about. It's one of those devices that I pack with me to our different co-ops and that sort of thing. And having that pen is incredibly handy. And it's really nice to see that this device also has those writing features. I take notes on mine like all the time, all the time. Yeah, good point. It's got all of the writing features and all of that, and it doesn't come with all of the Samsung. I don't know if Samsung does on this tablets, to be fair, but I cannot stand their phone. The S20 that I have, it has so much Samsung crap that they've put into it that mm -hmm. malware, Samsung malware, I want to call it. That's just my word for it. That's my personal opinion, Samsung. Tell your lawyers to back down. <laughs> the Samsung malware on it is just, it's unbelievable. The Bixby and all this other crap, the password storage they want you to use. It's like, not only is Google and Android trying to get at all your information, but now you got Samsung layers on top of it trying to get all your information too, because both of them will pop up. Google Voice will come on and be like, hey, how can I help you? I'm like, go away. And then Bixby comes up I'm like, well, can I help you? No, you're stupid. Go away. Uh, it's just, it's constantly annoying. Do they do the same thing with their tablets they do with their phones? There is some of that on the tablets, but not as much in the phones. And it was one of the first things I did when I got it is went through and disabled a whole bunch of things, like everything that I could that was Samsung related that I couldn't directly take off the tablet. And once I've done that, none of that pops up anymore, but I don't turn on Google One either. So I'm not using any of those push to talk features on any of our devices, including the tablet. So that hasn't been much of an issue. I love it. You're a privacy warrior. So awesome. But check out Lenovo Tab P11 Pro. We'll have links for that, the monitor and the endoscope in the show notes. This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now is the perfect time to dive into the DigitalOcean. Their new app platform service helps you build modern cloud native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever using a simple, intuitive interface. Simply point the App Platform to your GitHub or your GitLab repository and let it do all of the heavy lifting for you. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, static sites, Docker, container images, the App Platform can handle all of the heavy lifting for any of those. And by running the App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower lower than with other products. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean's Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a hardware addict listener and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free with the app platform. Actually, better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN to get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. So this week, we had no choice, honestly, but to cover another Apple story. I feel like we cover Apple stuff too much on this show sometimes. I guess that in itself is a statement that Apple just continues to kind of innovate and get the attention of everyone with the things that they're releasing and everybody else has just been really, really boring this year. Has anybody else or noticed this trend? Apple. Yeah. Yeah, they just follow Apple, whatever Apple's doing. To be fair, Apple's launch for everything this year was incredibly boring. I couldn't get through all of it because it was a snooze fest to me. Oh yeah, it's all the same. Hmm. We've upgraded better. this little thing. Yeah, I, I really wasn't impressed by their quote unquote big launch this year. 
but they are still making waves with what they have put out. And some of that has to do with all of the tech YouTubers. Uh, I think they make a bigger deal usually than it has to be. And some of that is the people that absolutely are diehard Apple fans and just can't wait to get their hands on the next Apple device. I think that's kind of the the statement about like this the state of the industry. If Apple's announcements and events are as as boring as they have been, but they're still more interesting than the rest. I mean, that's that's right. kind of sad. It, it's true, and the fact is, is that while Apple's phone and we talked about this in a prior the phone release, uh, the whole production around that was extremely boring. Apple did some pretty interesting things there. Do you know that it just came out in the news this week, I believe, that Apple's change of privacy focus, where it basically allows you to stop tracking, you could tell apps to stop tracking, has cost Facebook $10 billion in revenue. $10 billion. Well, that's good. <laughs> it, it is Not good, but there's, there's another caveat to that. At the same time, when Apple did their release of their earnings, their revenue for ad revenue started to climb. So this is a situation hmm. where you start to wonder, like they're stopping everybody else, which is it's Facebook, so nobody cares. Everyone's celebrating it. But at the same time, Apple's using your information to increase their ad revenue now, or at least their ad revenues increasing the amount of money they're getting from ads so you're wondering if this is more of a closed garden move than it is for we care about your privacy move. Yeah, that's that does sound pretty sketch. But Apple has every YouTuber and tech news journalist out there, and I mean all of them, tripping over themselves to get in the good graces of Tim Cook this week, hoping, I think, if they act like Apple just graced us with the second coming of the messianic hardware, that they'll keep getting those free review units from Apple, because that's the only way that all of this excitement would really make sense. And it's not that what Apple released isn't great. We're going to get into that. There's some cool things here, but the amount of excitement people have for it is a little bit weird. It's like, okay, we get it. You want Apple to send you free review units. Can you calm down a little bit and at least be a little unbiased about some of the stuff here? And there's so many unvalidated claims going on. So Apple released new MacBook Pros and people have been really excited for the new MacBook Pros to come out to see what they were going to do with their own silicon. But people are acting like these things are faster than every gaming laptop out there, desktop PC, supercomputers, no problem. The MacBook Pros beats it. Like they're, it's, it's kind of sad, honestly, how much hype people are giving this. Now, I want to say the new MacBook Pros are absolutely an impressive piece of engineering. What we're going to go through is the specs of some of these things first and what they've achieved in this architecture, again, is something to really be impressed by. It's just, it's been exaggerated to such a degree that it actually started to get annoying to me, but that's what hardware addicts is for, right? We're gonna bring everybody back down to earth and to reality with this while still being very impressed with what Apple did because what they did is pretty freaking awesome. So they released three versions of the MacBook Pro. They have the 13 inch, the 14 inch, and the 16 inch. So starting with the 13 inch, it starts at 1299 bucks. You get the Apple M1 chip with an eight core CPU and eight core GPU, up to 16 gigabytes of unified memory, two terabytes of max storage, up to 20 hours of battery life. You get a retina screen that's 2560 by 1600 pixels at 500 nits. 
and a 16-core neural engine and two Thunderbolt USB 4 ports. Now that would see and think, well, that's just pretty much a standard MacBook, right? You don't have all the ports and everything else, which is interesting because if you go up to just $1,999, Michael, you spend a little Ouch. more money. only just? <laughs> just a little bit more money, and guess what you get? <laughs> what? You get ports. <sighs> ports. Yeah. They've... They've they've sung, they've they've heard the cries of of the society and if they've answered the call to finally bring back ports that they didn't need to get rid of in the first place. See, thank you. You're not even like the hardware enthusiast, right? And yet you get that what so many people who've been in hardware their entire doing these YouTube channels with millions of followers don't seem to understand. They act like Apple just invented ports for the first time on laptops. They're like, you won't believe in the YouTube video reviews. You won't believe this. Apple put an HDMI port in the laptop. I'm like, what are you guys smoking? What innovation that? from 2006? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, it is cool, but, you know. So if you are switching to Mac for the first time and you're going for the MacBook Pro, the 13-inch, you're dropping... $1,300 on this device, how much are you spending in dongles to get the ports you need? What is the actual savings to go the 13-inch over the 14-inch with what you have to pay in extra dongles? It's a good point because you're going to have to have a lot of dongles to connect any of your peripherals. And for people, like there's a point where I was like, do I really need all these ports on the laptops? Maybe it's okay. I don't have all the connections and things. I think this was around the time that I was doing all the reviews on the Apple products. And man, I ended up buying so many dongles. I still have them all around because I didn't sell them with all the, once I resold all the devices, all of these dongles just to connect the most random things that you wouldn't even think about on a normal laptop. Like you want to connect your phone to charge it, or you want to connect a micro SD card to take stuck, take pictures off of a camera. Like you can't do any of that with a MacBook without having dongles on it. It does frustrate me that $1,299, you couldn't throw the ports in. You have to spend $1,999 to get some ports in there. I mean, that to me is, is kind of just typical Apple, though. If you're, an, if you're a fan of Apple, you're going to be willing to pay it. You're going to pay the premium, and you're going to enjoy doing it, and you're going to think, oh, my God, thank you, Apple, for inventing HDMI ports and a micro SD slot, because all of those come starting at $1,999. But... The cool thing you can get in the 14 inches, you can get the M1 Pro chip or the M1 Max chip, which is up to 10 core CPU and up to a 32 core GPU and up to 64 gigabytes unified memory and eight terabytes of max storage and a 14.2 inch liquid retina 3024 by 1964 screen. And this is where it really blows my mind up to a thousand nits sustained full screen brightness, 1600 nit peak brightness. That is amazing. And this is what Apple has done better than PC, period, bar none. You cannot tell me that Apple does not have the best screens when it comes to laptops out there. They've just always done it better than any of the PCs out there. They actually put good screens in their laptops. They do have beautiful screens. And at this brightness, you could get all of your work done while sitting at the beach. I mean, if you go back and we were talking about the Lenovo tab I had, which, by the way, is so bright that it can blind you. Like if you're in a dark room, you're like, oh, no, turn it down. The OLED screen. It was only 350 nit. 
So a thousand nit sustained and sixteen hundred nit, that'll really wake you up in the morning if you try to answer a text <laughs> message on that thing. Holy moly. Then you have the MacBook Pro 16 inch. And really the only difference between the 14 and 16 inch here is just the screen size. Some people want the 14 inch, some people want the 16 inch because the same thing. You can get the Pro chip, the Max chip, 10 core CPU, 32 core GPU, 64 gigabytes of unified memory, eight terabytes max storage, the liquid retina screen with the same brightness. And of course you get ports because it's $2,499. Now notice that's starting at $2,499. So you can easily get up to six grand on some of these laptops. These are just the starting points. And the starting points, when you see the up twos are obviously much less than the up twos because the up twos are the max. So up to 16 gigabytes, but comes with eight standard for a lot of your um, models here. So, you know, it's Apple. I mean, we can't really be freaked out about the prices because this is just what Apple does. So you can take it to the beach and get your work done. But at this price, do you want to? Yeah, think about it from the way that I didn't want to take my Dragonfly, which is one of my lattice laptops, because it costs a good amount of money. We're talking about a fifteen to $1,800 laptop. This one I would never take anywhere or leave my home, but it's a laptop. I mean, just somebody stealing this and you have four or $5,000 in a laptop. That's just insane. Wait, you're saying you would not take this to Starbucks to write your novel? I wouldn't. You know, unless my okay. novel was a big hit, then I probably wouldn't. So what do you get for $1,299 or $2,499 in repairability? I mean, certainly you can repair this thing, right? Uh, this is Apple, so no. Exactly. Yeah, it's Apple, so <laughs> probably not. Well, you don't have to take it from me. And this is something that also bothers me. None of the other YouTubers, none of the other podcasters out there covering hardware talked about this. The repairability. iFixit did a video on this when it came out and they got their hands on one. They rated it a four out of 10, which is extraordinarily low, but they did say it's actually better than the prior MacBook generations. But it's terrible, but it's actually a little bit better than the prior ones because the batteries are removable with the 3M tape strips kind of things that you pull really hard and they snap off versus gluing them down with, you know, industrial glue. So there was some improvements there. Although Progress. all of the chip and RAM and everything else is soldered onto one board and therefore nothing is upgradable. If it breaks, the whole thing's gone. So there's that. That The Apple way. Yes. And if you want more storage, you can't. So you better or order exactly what you're going to need for the next three to five years because that's soldered onto the board as well. So don't even try to get more storage. No RAM. Whatever you buy here is what you're stuck with for the next three to five years. I'm not surprised that they had soldered on RAM, but the storage, that, that does seem excessive. The other interesting thing that they did on this is that they put a notch on a laptop. So you know the, if you look at an iPhone, how it has the little notch for the camera? Well, they've now decided to make the bezel so small that they can no longer put a camera into it. So instead, you have a full notch. Not a punch hole like you see in Samsung or others. I mean the full rectangular notch in the middle of your 14-inch or 16-inch screen that takes up some of the real estate. And I've seen some videos on it that were quite funny where some of the menu items behind a program because the program doesn't know that the notch is there are actually hidden behind the notch. So to get to the menu items, you have to put your mouse cursor where the notch is and kind of guess and click until you get the menu to drop down. So that was kind of brilliant too for $2,499. 
Wow. Look at that UX de- design and, and research that they put into that. <laughs> like the notch is awful in the phone. Why would they yeah. want no one would want that on a on a laptop? You have so much screen real estate that you could use. Why do you need a little bit extra for a notch that is just also just functionally terrible? Like yes, it gives you a little bit of screen real estate extra in the corners that you don't really need in the first place just so it looks like it's got more screen real estate on the device like uh, it's edge to edge or whatever no one wants this and it's the it's the biggest like slap in the face that apple gives in like to the to everyday users because the whole repairability thing there's a lot of people who think that that's not a big deal because they don't they don't know how to change stuff or that kind of thing but the notch is is a slap to everyone because i don't know of anyone who likes it especially considering like Every time you have these kinds of special designs, it requires you to have to like customize everything. And, and I, I assume their supply line is now even more complicated because they have to have these special rent, uh, like engineering for just this worthless thing no one wants. All the people who wrote software programs that work on Apple now have to change their whole UX design because they've got to account for this notch being there. But that's where you miss Apple's true genius like the ports, but just kind of on the opposite spectrum. They take away the ports and say it's because we're geniuses and this is the future. And everyone goes, yeah, totally. And then they realize they're going to get rid of the notch and be like, yes, (laughs) when they get rid of the notch and put the camera back in the bezel where it belongs, everyone's going to freak out and go, man, Apple, you've done it again. You geniuses. You listen to us. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yep. It's like when people were so excited about the stupid trash can Mac. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was the worst thing. Like, look at this engineering. Like, no one likes this thing. And it's just no feels one liked like, it. It uh, had tons of problems, one. but they still sell like hotcakes out there. But this isn't all about ragging on Apple because I will tell you their chips, their socks in here are absolutely amazing. They're not as amazing as a lot of these people, these YouTubers want you to believe, but they are absolutely amazing. So if you want to know what you're going to get if you mortgage your home and buy one of these laptops, the Apple M1 chip, the one that comes with the least expensive one, has an eight-core CPU. That's four performance cores and four efficiency cores that they're using here. The M1 Pro chip has that 10-core CPU, up to a 10-core CPU, with eight performance cores and two efficiency cores. And then you have the 16-core GPU and a 16-core neural engine, which is really important. But here's why you would not want to buy the regular M1 and you want to buy the Pro or the Max because they talk about the memory bandwidth that they're putting on here between all of these components because remember, they're all attached to each other. And it's a 200 gigabytes a second memory bandwidth, which is just massive. You can move massive amounts of information so fast with this chip. And the M1 Max chip, the 10-core CPU with eight performance cores and two efficiency cores, a 32-core GPU up to at least, and a 16-core neural engine, 400 gigabyte memory bandwidth. So the ingenuity here is with this arrangement and the integration of these cores with this huge bandwidth, and they're getting some insane results. I mean, I'm watching them take videos. Now, of course, you can't game on a Mac. So in the gaming that people have tried in the videos I've seen has been horrendous. Like you're getting 30 frames per second on games that have been out for six or seven years. 
it's not good for gaming at all. But Apple doesn't care about gaming. They've kind of made that clear many times before and it's very clear in kind of their position that they could care less. You can mobile game on them and that's about as good as you're going to get. However, for workloads like video editing, there was a video being done where there was 4K and 8K footage being edited and they're going through in DaVinci Resolve and also what was what's Apple's editing software? I forget the name of it. Final Cut Pro. So there's videos of them using DaVinci Resolve and Final Cut Pro, and they are taking 4K and 8K footage, and then they're adding up to 16 layers of filtering and adjustments into scenes, and they're able to scrub the entire video, not a short video, like 20, 30 minute video without any hesitation, really scrubbing it at 20, 30 frames per second with all of those filters on. And there are a lot of desktops wow. that would struggle to be able to do that. That is impressive. Like the M1 Max chip and the benchmarks and the testing that people have done is very impressive. Like I, I give I give Apple a hard time because well it's Apple, but there's a lot of impressive stuff with this new, especially when they're doing it with an ARM chip. Like it's it's a type of processor that no one expected performance of this kind ever to exist. No, and frankly, I don't think there's many laptops you could go out there and buy on the PC market. Very, very few. You would have to be up into a very similar price range that could be able to handle that type of workload. Now, the people who are acting like, like I've seen some Twitter posts and things, are like, this beats an NVIDIA 2070. Yes, in one specific workload, in one specific <laughs> piece of software, it does really good compared to a mobile 2070. But... You've got to look at the whole gamut. And so again, what they did here is extremely impressive. They're engineers, some of the finest out there, clearly. They are just blowing the socks off everything. I mean, Qualcomm and everyone else, they're playing catch-up at this point with Apple. Apple came into the game way later, and they're playing heck of a catch-up trying to do anything to compete with what Apple has out there. So this is going to be a real problem for Samsung and others going out there trying to release anything. I mean, look at the new Google Pixel phone that came out with their chip, and it's not impressively fast at all. I mean, it, it does some things really well, but it's not even as fast as a lot of the Qualcomms. It's kind of meant for a different purpose where they're really focusing on the AI machine learning aspects of it. It's not bad. It's just it's not at Apple's level. Nobody is. And that really says something for Apple. They've really done something extraordinary here. It comes down to who is this hardware for? And this is without a doubt for content creators. And they are going to be going for not the bottom tier, but the middle or top tier devices. And Apple knows that this is their market and they have created and dove into this hardware to give those customers exactly what they want. Exactly. And, you know, they again, like you said, it's really for content creators. It's for artists and those folks out there, because if you look at the screens, this would be something like that a photographer would be really interested. Not only is there amazing, beautiful resolution on the screen, not only does it have amazing brightness, but it has the wide color P3 and true tone that puts most PC laptops, once again, screens to shame. Something we've regularly complained about on this show that PCs don't offer that with a lot of the screen. I mean, a lot of these expensive PCs, even in the $1,400 price range plus, are still coming with 1920 by 1080 screens. And this is, and the color reproduction on them are horrible. And this is just shows you that Apple kind of knows that audience that they're targeting and they're going after. 
and they do a really good job with delivering on a very fine product that you're going to overpay for, but you're going to get something this quality. You can't repair it and the supply chain's garbage, but it's a good looking machine. And it has HDMI ports. Yeah. Yeah. And whoever thought of that? Nobody's had those. (laughs) Thanks, Apple, for inventing the HDMI port. Genius. So my final thoughts are these are truly impressive silicon. Like what Apple did here blew me away. And it is worthy of them receiving praise for that because it's going to force everyone else to innovate. Intel, AMD, Samsung, all of them are going to be playing catch up. They're going to be doing some new tricks. They're going to have to pull out some new tricks in order to keep up. And hopefully that benefits us because we know Apple's not going to be the savior of the computer world with their repairability, supply chain, closed garden issues, all the things we mentioned, but it will force some of the companies that could come out and actually be saviors of the PC world to innovate and try to catch up with Apple. And I think they can, if they actually care enough, it wouldn't be too hard to beat things like notches and stuff. Come on, HP, you're already on the right track. Step up your game. And the good news, though, if you do buy one of these, please let us know and also make sure you pick up, and I'm not making this up, their official cleaning cloth for your laptop, which is Apple branded and costs $20. (laughs) Is it like a microfiber cloth or something? Yeah, the same one you could get for $1.50 at, you know... (laughs) The store. It's $20. You know, I got one for free that's branded for my local piercing place. But does it have an Apple branding on it? No, but it has the logo of my piercing shop. All the better. I mean, that's nice, but that means your microfiber cloth (laughs) is not prestigious or prestigious. Imagine showing up to a coffee shop, Wendy, and you've got all of these college people there, and you walk in and you Mm -hmm. bring out your regular microfiber cleaning cloth. Imagine the judgment you're going to get from them. Whereas you think they're going to take you serious with your screenplay with that kind of microfiber cloth? Come on, Wendy. You're not thinking As I make fun of them because mine runs Linux. This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I use and trust. It's the one that I share with all of my friends and family because it is open source. You can self-host it. Plus, they do security audits on their code and share all of that information with you. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Say you want that premium account that just starts at $10 per year. What comes with it? One gig of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, plus priority customer support. Make the smart move like many in the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me though, you're going to want to help support this super awesome open source software and get that premium account that starts at just $10 per year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts.
All right, Wendy, take us into the camera corner and tell us what Panasonic's been up to. Panasonic has been in the game for 20 years and has really come up with some amazing innovations during this time. And actually, they were the first in some of these advancements. I know we talk Sony on a regular basis. Sony has come ahead with some of their mirrorless camera technology, the fact that their sensors are in just about every smartphone out there. But if we look back to what they have done, they were actually the first one to launch a a mirrorless micro four-thirds camera that had interchangeable lenses. Yes, there were other ones out there, but you were stuck with whatever lens was attached to the body built in And they launched that being able to have this super compact camera that didn't have the moving parts of the mirror, plus the flexibility of being able to change your lens. And to be clear here, Panasonic is celebrating for the Lumix brand 20th anniversary. The company itself has been around for like 103 years, but still 20 years for Lumix brand, pretty awesome. Absolutely. And they have had a camera that people have been waiting for. This is their GH6. And unfortunately, it is not going to hit the end of this year like they'd originally wanted to. We don't have any serious details onto why that is, but my guess is part shortage. There's part shortage all around. They're probably just not able to get everything that they need for that launch But what is so exciting about this camera in and of itself? So it's going to have a very high-speed sensor. What does that mean? Why do you want a high-speed sensor? One of those comes in, especially where this is a mirrorless camera body, that sensor being able to read, process all that information, and either send it to an SD card or to the screen that you're looking through and have clean movements back and forth to be able to adjust the camera and not have any glitches in that. The higher speed, the more that refresh rate is, the better that the processor and all the parts behind that can deal with it, makes for a much smoother viewing and makes for much more powerful video features and how clean that feed comes into saving. What's interesting to me about this camera is the advertisement that not only is the sensor super fast, but that also it can basically record video endlessly, continuously without having to stop, which means it doesn't overheat at at all. So what they're saying is basically, as long as you have storage, you can just keep running the video. Or if you use them like we use them as webcams and you have it connected to a PC and it's just recording footage in the background, it could just keep going without any heat really building up that would make it shut down. And that makes a really interesting case for a flagship phone like this or flagship camera like this because of the fact that it's not going, even in 4K, it's not going to hit any heat issues and turn itself off. That's pretty impressive. They must be utilizing some really efficient ARM processors within this device. Yeah, absolutely. And this market seems to be going that way. More and more people are buying these mirrorless cameras as vlogging cameras, ad podcasting cameras, all different things where, yeah, 
they do take some stills, but for the most part, they're really doing video with these devices. And Panasonic in this Lumix line knows this is where the market is. They especially see this with what Sony's been doing and the hits that they've had with these style of cameras. And they're stepping up the game here saying, we want you to be able to record whatever video you want at 4K, 60 frames a second. I am super excited to see some of the reviews on these once they finally hit the market. It's always nice to see the specs, but it's better to see them in hand. One of my questions is one of the things they're advertising here is this micro four thirds sensor. And when I looked up what micro four thirds sensor is, it says, unlike four thirds, the MFT system design specification does not provide space for mirror box and pentaprism, which facilitates smaller body and lens designs via the shorter flange focal distance of 19.25 mil. I have no idea what any of that means. Oh, so oh, that's what that, okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. mm-hmm. micro four third system, is this something we should be interested in? Is this, I mean, obviously it's something cool. It's part of their advertisement, but what does this I mean, it has really a lot of prisms mean? and stuff. So yeah, yeah. prisms. Flange focal distance? Basically what important? this means is you have a smaller, still very high quality sensor and everything is shrunk down. So you can look at a full frame body and it's bigger just because it has to accommodate a larger sensor and everything that goes with processing that larger sensor. In a micro four thirds, you are so much smaller and it means your camera body in general is so much more compact. So say you are wanting to take this for vlogging, you've got it up on a gimbal or some sort of device as you're videoing yourself or whatever's going on, this extremely light camera is so much more flexible for those kind of things. It's reduced size and weight means that it is additionally beneficial for using it as your replacement webcam because you're not having so much extra weight sitting on top of your monitor or wherever you're wanting to put it. It gives you more flexibility size and weight wise for being able to use it in these long-term video shooting processes. Ah, so it's basically the four thirds is referring to the size and aspect ratio of the sensor itself. And the cameras can be smaller, maybe not as small as like a compact camera, but they can be smaller than say a DSLR camera and therefore much easier to put on mounts and that type of stuff. See, why couldn't they just say that? Wendy needs to be writing for these companies, I swear. It would be really, really nice if if some of this stuff that they were putting out, especially if you're talking about Panasonic, where they don't have the market share that Sony has, would make things in so much more plainer speech, plainer text, because your average person that's looking for a vlogging camera is going to be like, yeah, I don't know what that means. Let's jump to the next one that I understand. Just write Wendy on the discourse form if you don't know what it means. That's what I do. I just pose to somebody <laughs> else so she'll answer it. Hey, I answer things. Okay, not very good lately. <laughs> I know I'm behind on the Matrix chat and the discourse chat and everything else, but I'll get there. I promise. I'll get there. Well, no, you answer things for everybody else, just not me personally. That's why I have to pose to somebody else. And then you answer it just perfectly fine. I answer things for you. <laughs> Stop calling me mean. <laughs> so is this a camera you would be interested in grabbing the Lumix GH6? Is this something that has you like thinking of not maybe going with the Sony? Because I know that was something you were interested in at some point in the future is going with a Sony mirrorless. 
Is this enough to tempt you away and go Lumix? No, I definitely would be sticking to the Sonys, but I also want a larger sensor. I want to be able to take images that I can blow up quite larger and do some of the other things that I like to do, especially macro photography and the like. One of the things you have to deal with is the smaller the sensor you have, there is different discrepancies in how macro you can get. So the larger your sensor goes, if you have a macro lens and the closer you get, you're able to achieve much more focusing in, get much finer detail in those different sensors. And because macro is my thing, whether it is taking pictures of spiders, which I have to say, by the way, every time we see one, my youngest child is like, oh, we can scare Ryan with that now. And it cracks me up every what? time. He's like, oh, there's a spider You've for taught Ryan. your kids that I'm scared of spiders? <laughs> that is so rude, Wendy. That is so rude and not true. I'm horrified by them. <laughs> You're yeah, horrified by them. <laughs> yeah. To taking pictures of food and other nature, I absolutely love macro. And so the larger sensors are for me. But anyone who is considering using their camera and needing it to stay really small, whether they're backpacking, they're trying to stay within a certain size range, this is a great way to go, especially if you are using it for video, vlogging, and the like. That is very cool stuff. So one more question on this, Wendy. Do we know if they are going to have any of these coming in stock at any point? Did they announce when, since they're not going to meet the end of this year, when these things will come? We do not know. We just know that they wanted to launch them at the end of 2021. That's just not going to happen. So I'd say by summer next year, hopefully they're out. And when we have updates, I will definitely let you guys know. Because while I won't be getting my hands on one to test it out, I'm definitely wanting to share what comes from when people actually have these in their hands as test models. Well, me and Michael are huge TikTok vloggers, so this is really important yep. to us that we get a hold of these cameras so that we can we do our We need to make sure we moves. have the, mi- the micro four-thirds so that we can get the full body element of the prism of our dance moves, right? That's Exactly. That's, that's how Nailed that works. it, Michael. Perfect. Thanks. I thought the dad jokes come at the end. Eh, sometimes. <laughs> well, that's it. Our 47th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Destination Linux Network. Head right now to DestinationLinux.network and check out all the amazing podcasts and YouTube partners available. There's so much to fill your brains with. And also make sure to thumbs up all those videos, subscribe, and rate them on your favorite app. That's how we get other people to get to know how awesome this content is out there. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time for another top-notch episode of Hardware Addicts. Plus, next episode, we're adding more ports. Wow. Man, we're just like Apple. Exactly. We're 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 so generous with the ports. Is someone going to praise us? No. They better. At least least 50 YouTube videos, I expect. Demand, not expect. Demand.